Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. All right. Oh, yeah, it's recorded. Good. No problem. Okay, so talk about a, a strange... We talked about a strange design last time, which was the hierarchical design. Um, today I'm going to talk about a, another strange design, one that's a little more useful and a little less hard to understand as far as uh, interpretation. So this is called the Latin square. So, so far we've focused on um, procedures for dealing with a nuisance variable. Right? We've talked about that. We've talked about blocking kind of experiment, or we talked about repeated measures, which remember is a special case of blocking. So we talked about both of those. You can actually, the other thing you can do, and we'll talk about this in this class, you could learn about it in graduate school, is something called an ANCOVA, analysis of covariance. And what ANCOVA does um, is, instead of controlling the design for a nuisance variable, which is what you're doing with blocking or repeated measures, you control statistically for something. So what you end up doing is you determine how much variance is accounted for by some variable. Okay? And you actually statistically remove the variance that's shared between the, what's called the covariate. Sort of draw the Venn diagram as the best way to look at this. So you've got a covariate. Let's say it's your uh, IQ score. Okay, that's it correlates a lot of stuff, and we're we're going to test some kind of educational thing. I don't know what the hell it is. We 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 don't have the wherewithal. Uh, well, we can't actually make blocks for people of exactly the same IQ. Hard to do, but we do know that IQ is going to play a big role in your score of learning something or another, whatever that thing may be. So what we're going to do is find how much we can take a look at the. In this case, could be IQ, the variance in IQ. And then we can take a look at the variance in whatever our dependent variable is. Uh, your test score, whatever, GPA. There you go, that's good. Uh, you'd be amazed at how well your IQ correlates with your GPA. Um, we find out the variance where it overlaps. Okay? This overlapping part, we remove it. And then we can be asked variance. This is, you got to think of this in a really conceptual way. I'm not going to show you math. Because the math's, um, I'm just not going to show you math. So that's another way you deal with it. It's a statistical way of controlling for variation rather than a designed way. There's nothing wrong with this. It's just beyond the scope of this course. Um, it's something, if you learn about it, you might see the words ANCOVA, uh, ANCOVA in, in a paper, and that's all they've done. They just tell you the covariate is, they just take out that overlapping variance. But we're not going to talk about that. I'm just saying that that does exist. This is another way to deal with a nuisance variable. Okay? Now, it may be the case, however, that you have more than one nuisance variable, like two of them, for example. So you have two nuisance variables and a third variable. Remember, nuisance variables are measured. Okay? And you're going to put them, uh, people with our blocks is what we would typically do. And we have the independent variable, and we actually care about it. So you have three independent variables, two of them being nuisance variables, and one independent variable you're actually interested in. Okay? Question so far? So you have two variables you're, you can measure and you're going to block on. 
and then one you're going to actually care about that you're trying to find out if there's an effect. So you sort of put the two nuisance variables together. Um, you put one nuisance variable in a row, like usual, and we always have the rows of nuisance variables and the levels of the independent variable. We're going to put the other one in columns. And this is obviously, to me, very exciting with all the exclamation points. <laughs> Late in the year. Three more weeks of teaching that I don't have to do until 2016. So. It's a good thing. Okay. So that's not that exciting. But, you know. um, so you get something that looks like this. That's neat. See where that came in? I like that. So we've got rows and columns. Let's move this over a bit. A, B, C, and D are levels of a factor. They're levels of... of, of and then I understand this is annoying, and it's not my notation. It's the notation that everyone's always used, so I apologize for that. But these are four levels, A, B, C, and D, of some independent variable you're interested in measuring, okay? They are not actually... I know we've used A, B, C, and D as different factors, different independent variables. They're not in this case, okay? They're different levels. There are four levels of some independent variable. Each level occurs in each ordinal position, so... A occurs first, A occurs second, A occurs third, A occurs fourth, B second, third, fourth, first, etc. Okay. Each row and each column has each level once. And remember, these rows and columns, the rows and the columns here, are actually levels of an independent, oh, sorry, levels of two different nuisance variables. Two different nuisance variables. So instead of having just one nuisance variable like we have with repeated measures or like we have with uh, randomized block, we have two of them, and we're crossing those things. Okay. Do you understand the design? I know it looks it's very strange looking. See, once you have two nuisance variables, things get a little bit, a little bit annoying. Because if you wanted to do a completely randomized block with both those blocks literally interacting, so literally crossing with each other, I shouldn't say cross before, you'd need a lot of cells. We don't have that luxury typically. So you need an equal number of rows, an equal number of columns, and an equal number of levels of independent variables. So you get a model that says any score equals the grand mean plus the effect of rows, the effect of columns, the effect of the independent variable, and of course, our old friend error, <clears throat> or as we're going to call it in this residual. So think about it. If you had, if we had a four by four by four, or it's called a four by four. These are called four. It's called a four by four Latin square. If we had that, um, we have sixteen people. We need to test sixteen people. That's all, because each person, each subject, is within each. There's one subject within each, each uh, set, okay? Now, if we were actually doing a four by four by four, we need 64 subjects at least. So what this is doing is it's allowing us to... Word I'm looking for. It's, a, it's a little more economical, I guess is the word I'm looking for. 
and practical. And this actually is not a bad design. This is like a hierarchical one. This isn't something you would never do. I had a student, uh, God, five, six years ago, maybe a little more. Another student that used a lot of this work. It was perfectly acceptable. It's perfectly understandable. It's a really good thesis thing. It's about detecting noxious odors in pleasant odors. It's really cool. It's a Jensu It's a really, really, really neat thesis. And we have one every four or five years that shows up, does a lot in square. And it's not a problem. Everybody understands this. It's like some of the classic uh, experimental design. So the analysis of variance is kind of weird, though. It looks like this. There's an effect of rows, an effect of columns, an effect of the independent variable. That, so this part shouldn't surprise you. Rows, columns, independent variable, residual, and total. Now, note that there's no interaction terms. Well, there can't be because we don't have every row and every column and every level of the independent variable occurring with every other one, do we? We just have each level of the independent variable occurring in each ordinal position. We, don't, we can't measure interactions. I'm not saying there aren't any. I'm saying we can't measure them with this design. So you get, there are, so P minus one, what is P? P is the size of the Latin square. So in our case that we have there, it's four. So we would have three degrees of freedom for rows, three for columns, three for the independent variable, and six, three times two. For residual. 3, 6, 9, and 6 is 15, and we have 16 observations. Yes. So there are P, it's the Latin square of size P. That's the size of the Latin square. Okay? That's all it is. So it's a, a 5 by 5, P is 5. Okay, so then if it was 5 by 5, it would be 4, 4, 4, 12. 16, 12, yep, that does it. 12? 4, 4, 4, 4, 12, 16, 12. Yep, that's right. Oh, yeah, Daniel. What if the uh, rows and columns are not the same? They can't not be the same. Then you can't do this design. You have, in that case, what's called an incomplete Latin square, which is the kind of thing that shows up as a bonus question in graduate school in a status test. It can be done, and it really shouldn't be done. It's, it's, it's a design that I've seen, and you always read it going, why didn't you just finish it? So it can be done. The problem is, uh, it's, it's a really good question you're asking. The problem is, you don't have every independent variable occurring within every row and column, so you actually don't have a, a complete so you have a complete Latin square, so the model itself is difficult, it's difficult to determine, difficult to determine expected values of these squares. It's a real pain, don't do it. Dave, yep. where did the, sorry, where did the P minus 2 come from? <laughs> I, can, I can give you a, 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 a simple answer. Is that a dumb question? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Um, if we add this, this, and this up, and see, so rows, columns, and IV, so P minus 1, P minus 1, P minus 1, we get 3P minus 3. You see that, right? Okay. And then we have big, that should equal plus something, plus big N minus, that should equal big N minus 1. 
And the solution to that equation, to that unknown, uh, is p minus 1 times p minus okay. 2. Let's go with that. Yeah, that's the easiest way to explain it. So it will always be p minus 2? Yeah. Yeah. So, it seems really, this is, this is quick. Now, these can actually be really useful if you can meet their really stringent assumptions. And that's why, as I said, about once every four years, someone does one of these. Four or five years. The person, Jen Sushro, who used a Latin square, she had an 8 by 8 Latin square. She needed 64 subjects. If she had to cross everyone with everyone, she would need 8 times 8 is 64 times 8 more. What's 864s? Uh, 256? No, 512. 512. Wow, we don't have 512 people in the program, much less an intro site. We couldn't, she couldn't have actually done her thesis. And the thing is, it didn't really matter. She, she looked for these results. But she found really interesting results. It was actually a very cool experiment. And it worked just fine. And the conclusions were reasonable. You looked at the data, everything was fine. But it would be impossible to do an 8x8x8. Eight by eight by eight. But an 8x8 is doable. 64 people, it's a pain to test that many people, but it's certainly a lot of the people in the thesis uh, course uh, testing that many people. By the way, please come to the Honors Thesis Conference on Friday at noon. No, 1. 1. In NW200. 1 till about 4, and then there's like a reception afterwards with drinks. It's too easy. Uh, hashtag AUPsych2015. You gotta, you gotta have it. It's Twitter. You gotta do that now. You gotta, if you don't do that, you're behind the times. Hmm? You gotta come. You gotta come. You gotta also sign up for Twitter and make snarky comments during the talks. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, well, not told me. Who's a smiling At Merbrim, you mean? Um, yeah, she's been on it since 20, what, 2008, I don't know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I jump on everything early so I can get the name D. Broad back then. <laughs> so I can get it for my brother Dan. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I once signed in, I was at an airport, and I signed in to, to get, to pay for Wi-Fi. It was like ten, $10 for the day, and I was, so I was flying back and forth, and my dad was, was dying. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to do something here because I've been sitting here thinking about how my dad's sick. So I'm, I got my computer open, and it says, oh, TELUS, Wi-Fi hotspot. And I said, oh, good, well, I have a TELUS phone, so I have an account. But I haven't used it in ages. So I go to sign in, and I sub the D-Broadback, and it says, forgot your password. Said, Clearly, yes. So I click, yeah, and it says, uh, you know, what's your mother's maiden name? And I know my mom's maiden name. So I typed it in, and it said, welcome, Dan. <laughs> so Dan paid for my airport Wi-Fi. Like that. <laughs> uh, then I, cha- then I, changed, uh, I changed a security question for him. You never answer those little tech. This is going way off the, 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 the other place, but you never, ever answer those security questions with things that can be figured out. Your mother's maiden name should be like Mustang 57. <laughs> and you never, ever use something that people can figure out. It's like those questions they have at the bank. You know, it's the first book you ever read. I can tell you one thing. When it asked that question, or it used to, it doesn't have that one anymore. They've changed it up every so often. It ain't a book. Mm-hmm. And it ain't Mustang 57. 
All right. Um, so this is just assumptions are stringent, equal number of rows, columns, and levels. But if you can meet them, you're in good shape. You can't have any interactions. Remember that model has no interactions. You're just like, frankly, just like with the uh, the, the, the block design. We can't have randomized block. We can't have interactions that leader. You have to have an equal number of levels of rows, columns, and the independent variable. It's not the easiest thing to meet, but you can do it. And as I said, we have one every every so often, and it's a perfectly acceptable design. There is nothing wrong with a Latin square. Questions about Latin squares? Yeah, yeah go ahead, Christine. Can you give us an example, like when you would use this? Yeah, I can try. I can think of genesis, maybe, if I can remember it. I'm not going to think of genesis, it's too complicated. Uh, okay, so if we had three, let's go with a three level Latin square. So if we had three, well, let's in fact think of our um, example we used with, with the repeated measures design with a sort of randomized block and just put another loosened variable. So we've got, um, we're interested in the three study techniques, or sort of three instructional techniques. They're A, B, and C. So this would be, we'll call this uh, straight up lecture. And this would, remember that was the flipped classroom approach. And this would be just, I don't know, what was the other one yet? How about just reading? There's your three, three different instructional methods, okay? Now we need two nuisance variables. Remember the first nuisance variable we had um, was, so uh, this would be rows, one, two, and three, was prior experience with, uh, with, with French. That's what it was, it was French language instruction. So if we had none, and then we had, uh, we'll call it uh, like core French, and then we had people that actually went to French school. Now, for columns, what's another possible variable that would be a nuisance variable if we were looking at instructional methods? What do you think? How about what year people are in university? I think that's pretty sensible, right? Because, and you guys know this, when you're at first year, you don't know anything. <laughs> and I don't just mean you don't know anything about the content. You don't know how to go to school yet. Right? By the time you get to third and fourth year, it's like, oh, I understand. This is how university works. I, I often... Academic advising, tell people, take a first year class, it's a great break of the week. You've never taken history, don't worry, you're the best mark in the class, you know how to go to university. Right? It's nice and easy. So, first year, second year, and third year. Here we go. Now, this is not a great example because we probably could do a three by three by three and get 27 people. But you know what? Maybe it's a pain to do that. Maybe blah, blah, blah. Maybe we get 10 levels. If it's 10 by 10 by 10, 10 by 10, we need 100 people. 10 by 10 by 10, yes. Fine. So now what we do is we have rows and columns. And then we have here, A, and then C, So we have one person that gets the lecture approach has no experience with French as in first year. Okay? Now, again, that's kind of, it's a little bit of a Monday example, but that's sort of how you set this kind of thing up. Um, and again, a three by three Latin square, or even a four by four, is probably not something you worry too much about. Probably it's easy to get nine 
uh, sorry, not nine, but uh, a lot more subjects, like 27 subjects, that's easy. When it starts getting to a five and six size Latin square, well, like I said, when Jen Sushiro had eight by eight, that's 64 people. 64 people is way easier than getting 512 people. So it makes a lot more sense. Can you put like two people in each group? You can, that's an, that's an excellent question. You can, then you get <coughs> rows, columns, and a variable, residual, and within cell. And you're taking it more variance. Yeah, you can do that. You can also do something, that one approach, you could also do two squares beside each other. And you would have another level called between, you'd have another uh, thing in your uh, model called between squares. Calculating that by hand is horrible. I'm not even going to show you how to do that. You do it with a, it's done with matrix algebra usually. It's a, it's a nightmare. But you can do that. You can have it with two of them. Um, you could do something where you had, I'm going to call it, a, well, it's not called this, but I'm going to first I'll say this way, like a Latin cube. Rows, columns, and then depth. That's actually not called that. It's called a, a Greco-Latin square. And then you can do a four-dimensional one that really you can't imagine, which has rows, columns, depth, and then a fourth dimension. Again, these are the kind of things that show up when your PhD stats as a, as a bonus question. You know, I'll just write some stuff down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And you, you, those are things you see in theoretical statistical journals. You don't actually see those in real research articles. I've seen, though, the first example you asked, Christina, the idea of having more than one subject per, per uh, cell. I've seen that. I've seen that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's not typical, but I have seen that in the literature. That's a good question. Other questions? Okay, so that's not so bad. So we'll leave the weapons here.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.